travellers, and a very warm welcome to Podcast 60 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Now, last week, we talked about the philosophy of travel. This week, it's all about practicalities, because the real thing is not so far away. Today, we're reading the government's roadmap that's supposed to guide us all to a better future, specifically by opening up travel. And I'm delighted to say that we're going to be joined by Cathy Adams, who's the head of travel at The Independent, and probably the person who has commissioned, written and edited more stories on the roadmap than anyone else in the brief history of COVID. Hello, Cathy. <laughs> Hi, both. Yes, um, I've actually edited more stories from Simon, I think, than, uh, in, than anyone else in COVID history. But it's great to be here. Well, we'll get uh, much more from Cathy and her amazing uh, COVID-sized brain very shortly. <laughs> a reminder that by um, popular demand, we're going to be doing a podcast soon called Around the World in 80 Delays. And we're very keen to know your most memorable, your funniest, your longest, your most stressful delays on trains, boats, planes or any other form of transport. So don't delay in getting those stories of delays to us and uh, we'll tell you how to do that at the end of the podcast. I would just like to pick out Mark's story. Um, he recalls that when he was in Melbourne in 1990 at the start of the first Gulf War, his flights were delayed and then he was put on a plane but not told where he was going until it was in the air. And uh, then after an overnight stop in Nairobi, he was interrogated by secret police and told that he would never leave Kenya. His rather enigmatic uh, final uh, sentence is, don't give a stranger a dollar and buy him a Coke. Home via Crete stressful. So Mark, do tell us what really happened there. Today though, we're here to forget the misery of travel. We want to instead focus on the joys that can be found at the end of the rainbow, sorry, the roadmap, the 68-page document presented to Parliament by the Prime Minister by command of Her Majesty, which seeks to restore freedom sustainably, equitably and as quickly as possible without putting unsustainable pressure on the NHS and avoiding a further lockdown. Well, Cathy, I believe that you have read the document, which at least uh, spares us having to do it. And um, we'll be talking <laughs> about the main dates in a sec. But um, first, I'd like to ask you both whether or not you think that roadmap is an accurate description of uh, this uh, plan, because to me, it seems a bit more like a snakes and ladders board with uh, the aim, obviously, to finish the game, which is to be able to travel to somewhere that you'd like to go. But my word, what a lot of snakes there are on the route. Mm. Um, talking of snakes, uh, what, what, what about dragons? If, if it is an actual map, I think it's more akin to those maps which have large blank spaces. That might be the Darien Gap between Panama and Colombia, or in the case of um, East Germany, before the wall came down, West Berlin. There's so much we don't know, and we certainly don't know where the dragons are. I actually think calling it a map is possibly slightly too flattering. Uh, to me, it seems more like a Monopoly board. Don't pass go. You might end up at King's Cross St Pancras, but then you also might end up in Whitechapel. Or Fenchurch Street, wherever that is. Anyway, um, on with our journey, which um, has a sequence of dates for you, dear listener, to mark on your calendar. Worth stressing that these are for people living in England and the other UK nations have their own plans. They're very careful not to call them roadmaps, interestingly. In Scotland, it's a route map. Northern Ireland has a recovery plan. And in Wales, there are simply 
upcoming changes. <laughs> but nobody's mentioned Monopoly boards. Anyway, let's start off with Tuesday the 16th of March. Now, uh, what's happening then, Cathy? So on Tuesday, that is the day that Northern Ireland is expected to set out its roadmap. Although, as Simon has already said, it's not so much a roadmap as a recovery plan. Then two days later on Thursday, Scotland is going to do the same. And there's another date to be circled on the calendar. That's 27th of March, when overnight stays in self-contained accommodation, that's things like caravans, cottages, Airbnbs, campsites, that's going to be possible in Wales, but crucially, only for people that live in Wales. Yes, the uh, First Minister, Mark Drakeford, um, I think last Friday stressed that only Welsh residents will be able to have holidays in Wales. So, uh, Mick, if you're your second home in um, Pembrokeshire, uh, we'll have to remain uh, op- uh, closed for a little while longer, I fear. Chance would be a fine thing. Well, anyway, for those of us who happen to be English, time for our holiday countdown. And I think you're going to make it even more fun, Mick, by uh, uh, putting it into uh, the form of a quiz. March the 29th. March the 29th. Yes, that will mark the first relaxation of the stay-at-home rule. And uh, what, what does that actually mean, Cathy? So 29th of March, it's the first big date on the calendar for lockdown easing. And what it means is that you no longer legally have to stay at home. You can leave your home for fun rather than exercise or essential purposes. And that will mean you can travel, although you must be back by midnight as you won't be able to stay overnight. And also from this date, it means that up to six people or two households will be able to meet outdoors, whether in a park or a private garden. Full marks for that answer. But there was one thing in the government um, uh, document which says that we should minimise travel. Simon, do you know what minimising travel actually means? No, and nobody else seems to either. It's also been characterised as stay local. Now, we've had, as it were, similar advice for where how far you can go for exercise, which um, in uh, some of the UK nations, they put an actual mileage distance on it. In uh, England, they just say, just, just stay in your part of the city or your village or your town or whatever. But there will not be any law which stops you, for example, um, taking a day trip from London to Newcastle. Um, That would not, I imagine, be within the spirit of it. But you can quite see that come the 29th of March, an awful lot of people who've been following the rules to the letter will say, well, I'm not going to be happy with a short journey outside my neighbourhood. I want actually to see people I haven't seen for a long time. So I'm going to get get in the car or uh, hopefully on the train and um, and travel a long distance. Well, I'm glad to say, Simon, you didn't fall into that uh, very tempting trap of saying uh, a day trip from London to, say, um, Barnard Castle or Durham. <laughs> it, it's quite close to Newcastle, actually. I would recommend it. Beautiful market town um, in County Durham. I think it's worth saying here that obviously, while we are allowed to travel and hopefully to go on some great day trips from the 29th of March, we should all aim to minimise risk. There are still the rules in place to wear masks on public transport. I am not a car owner, so I'm very much going to be the first one on public transport. But as always, I'm going to stay two metres apart, 
where possible, obviously, not so possible on busy trains often, um, and wear a mask. Just a matter here's a little sub quiz. What proportion of people in the UK do not have access to a car? Ooh. Just um, that just occurred to me that uh, you might want to uh, guess. 20%? Um, Mick? Oh, can I guess as well? Yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to say uh, 30 at thirty is pretty much exactly on the on on the uh, on the nose, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Nineteen million people do not have access to a car, um, and of course, of the remaining seventy percent, they will have access to a car, but they might be tempted back on public transport, and that is what the government desperately needs to do. But meanwhile, um, back to the twenty ninth of March, you of course have to be home by midnight in the manner of uh, Cinderella. Uh, people should not be staying away from home overnight at this stage, says the mm. mighty roadmap. <laughs> April the 12th. Right, what is happening on the 12th of April then, folks? So the 12th of April is the next step in the government's roadmap for opening up travel. And it's an exciting date in the calendar because it means that overnight stays away from home in England are going to be permitted, but only to what the government is calling self-contained accommodation. So those accommodation sites that do not require shared facilities, including bathing facilities, entry, exit, catering and sleeping facilities. And it only applies to one household or social bubble only. So that includes things like holiday parks. It includes some campsites where facilities aren't shared, caravan sites, Airbnbs, holiday lets. And it also includes... Centre parks. Yes, those five holiday villages which are dotted around various parts of England. I was astonished when I learnt that it would be uh, doing the uh, 12th of April opening because that anybody who's been there will know that the hub of centre parks is something called the subtropical swimming paradise uh, with water at a constant 29 degrees Celsius um, in which everybody collectively splashes about. The uh, you, you stay in, in kind of self-contained lodges, so that would make sense. But uh, the company says, yep, we're going to let people come and stay. They can enjoy the fresh air. We're not going to open the um, uh, subtropical swimming paradise, um, this sort of indoor water park. Um, but we're going to give people a discount on their trips to reflect that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder, how much is it worth? How much is the subtropical bit worth because i uh, certainly i went to one of those with uh, my children and i actually think apart from a, a brief foray into archery and um some sort of um, virtual clay pigeon shooting we spent nearly all our time in the subtropical swimming paradise. Well, and it is a, a paradise that awaits you, Cathy, because I can exclusively reveal that your, yeah, your, your your first child, Samuel, was born almost a year ago. And you are absolutely prime yes. demographic for Centre Park yes. off-peak, which is... Um, uh, uh, a, a great joy for your, I for your credit cannot, card. Wait, I've never been Centre Park, so it's first on my list. May the 17th. May the 17th. So that's five weeks after our um, uh, last key moment. Uh, what, what's happening on May the 17th? From a travel perspective, I think this is absolutely the most significant date because all sorts of things start to happen immediately. I mean, households, um, you can have... Uh, 
two households indoors at the same time, or indeed six people from six different households. Um, you're going to find that tourist attractions and that famous subtropical swimming paradise is going to be open. You will be able to stay in hotels um, for the first time, although actually it's worth um, uh, making a point that some hotels are craftily re reinventing themselves as um, self-contained accommodation. And crucially, we will find out uh, we will by that that stage um maybe maybe be able to travel abroad yes may the 17th is the earliest date that we have been told we are allowed to leave the country but clearly that brings with it a lot of other questions as well notably around inbound restrictions which we will go on and talk about later well, yeah, let's just look at those uh, those uh, rules. So, first of all, the government would need to leave its lose its blanket ban against going anywhere abroad. Uh, in England, of course, we've got the declaration to travel, which means that you have to front up and you can't even turn up in an airport or a ferry port without this document saying exactly where you're going and why you are exempt from the current rules so that's got to go we've also got to find that um which countries are very well are going to welcome us vaccinated or otherwise um and then as kathy was saying we've got to have this incredible uh machinery of of re-entry to the uk um dismantled to a large extent so an awful lot has to happen. And that's why, for a professional view, I spoke earlier to Glyn Jones, who's the chief executive of Stobart Aviation and the man who runs Southend Airport in beautiful Essex. It's, yeah, it's tough. I mean, is there light at the end of the tunnel? I'm kind of a glass flowing over bloke generally, but I can't help still having it in my mind that it's one thing to say it is no longer illegal to fly without a good reason, fly internationally without a good reason. But without clarity around the logistical dimension and the cost dimension, it doesn't really change the world that much. Um, so no clarity yet on whether people will still need to have, um, have um, tests or indeed what will happen with, with either Red Route or just generally quarantine. And until that's resolved, I think, you'll still see people being slow. And that's why I say, even though the, the, the break comes off, the principal break, which is the law, comes off in the middle of May, the other breaks remain on, Simon. And so, you know, I mean, you, you've seen this first time. Um, I think people are waiting to see what, what the world's going to look like in a couple of months' time. That's Glyn Jones reinforcing just how much has to change before we start to rescue what's left of the travel industry. OK, well, let's get back to the quiz. <laughs> June the 21st, which also happens to be my grandmother's birthday. Oh, thank you, Poppy. And um, happy birthday in advance to uh, Pauline, which I happen to know is your grandmother's uh, name. And um, everything back to normal on June the 21st, by the way, which is also the day before my son Silas's birthday while we're doing birthdays. And uh, isn't it Midsummer's Day as well? Yeah, you're right. June the 21st is the day that everything goes back to normal in England, at least to some semblance of what we were used to back in 2019, which sounds crazy. And yes, it is midsummer day. So Stonehenge is now open if you would like to go there and celebrate the summer solstice. 
Yeah, well, it, 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 if you read the roadmap, it's got um, a whole miscellany of great things which happen on that day. So you've got no legal limits on social contact, no legal limits on all life events. And it also mentions um, nightclubs, which for many of us, of course, course are the 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 central life event um and (laughs) as a result uh the thought is that um it will effectively be a normal summer in england and we need to stress that uh uh, nicola sturgeon first minister of scotland has said that uh, you can't expect much of a normal summer in scotland and the welsh and the northern irish have yet to pronounce and if you were thinking great i'll head off to thailand or Florida or um, somewhere else far flung and and wonderful, um, you, of course, will be restricted by whatever restrictions they keep in place, not to mention uh, those in Europe and where the government will let you go without, as it were, punishing you when you come back. Yes, but there are a few countries, though, we haven't spoken much about this, but there are a few countries already that have said they are very willing to let in British tourists. So I'm hopeful of a summer holiday, perhaps in Greece, um, in Ibiza. Ibiza's always top of my list or potentially Cyprus. Well, I don't want to spoil things, but um, there are a few possible obstacles on the road, bumps in the road, which the government has recognised, and they would actually act as a snakes on our uh, snakes and ladders board and send everybody back to the beginning or could do potentially uh the four bumps or let's call them four snakes i like it better um are that the vaccine deployment program doesn't continue as well as it does um that indeed for some reason um hospitalizations and deaths are not slowed down to the extent that they appear to be doing at the moment. Uh, And the same goes for infection rates. Uh, And indeed that uh, new variants of uh, COVID concern don't appear. And the other thing is, although uh, we are an island, we are not an island. I mean, we are utterly dependent on uh, the situation in other countries, as you suggested, to um, either allow us in or for us to allow ourselves to go to these countries. And at the moment, um, whether it's connected with the vaccination uh, difficulties, uh, rates are rocketing all over Europe and that even in Germany, which is always a cause for serious concern when you hear that. Well, de rumbos en la via, as the uh, road signs in, in Central America on the Pan American Highway remind you are always present and interesting turn of events um the end of last week when france suddenly said yep we got the british variant flipping everywhere it's their fault and i thought oh no how are they going to uh, make us suffer as a result but they did exactly the opposite they put us in the magnificent seven of low risk countries from which anyone would want their visitors, which includes Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, Japan and Israel. So we are we are up there in the Premier League, very surprisingly. But uh, I'm intrigued, though. Do either you, Mick or Cathy, have any fears about what's been called re-entry anxiety? Do you think that you, do you think the public at large will be more risk averse about where they travel? Oh, that's an interesting question. And I think the answer is absolutely just anecdotally, I've seen people sort of split into two camps. One is, 
I'm very much not going to go abroad until the entire world has been vaccinated, which is, I mean, that's a very ambitious target. And I'm really not sure how long that's going to take. So one camp of people not wanting to travel until everybody has been vaccinated. And then the other camp of people like me, who I feel like I've got a stick of dynamite sort of under my <laughs> under my feet. And the minute the government says it is possible, I will be herring down to Gatwick Airport to Heathrow and jumping on the first flight that will take me legally away from the UK. Um, so I personally don't, but I have definitely heard of people, yeah, really considering the risks, I think. Oh, well, I'm somewhere in the middle because I want to um, uh, accept that the government makes statements about things. But I quite like to have uh, my own take on it rather than just feel I've been let out of a cage. I think, well, actually, I've been let out of a cage. But uh, what sort of animals are waiting outside, if you see what I mean? Oh, that is a very good point. And I, I think it is just worth saying again that all travellers should really try and minimise risk wherever possible. So hand sanitising, social distancing where possible, mask wearing. I'm personally going to be wearing a mask, I think, indoors um, and obviously on public transport for a very long time to come. Um, but if that enables me to get some of my freedom back, I am more than happy to do it. Well, Cathy, as we mentioned, we're um, actually going to be collecting uh, great delay stories for our Around the World in 80 Delays special podcast, which will be coming up soon. Um, uh, I imagine you must have had a few delays in your time. I have had more than a few, Mick. Um, most aren't even worth me talking about just because they've involved... <laughs> lots of sitting in airports waiting, you know, desperately looking at arrival screens. Mm. But the one that really does stand out, it was when I was in Lombok in Indonesia in 2017, I believe. And it was when the uh, volcano on mm. Bali, it was erupting um, and, you know, making lots and lots of smoke, lots and lots of dust, um, obviously getting in the way of airport operations. And my, my flight from Lombok to Macau just listed as postponed for days and days and days. I really thought I was going to have to live and work in Lombok forever and just check into a hotel and sort of just live there. Um, about three days later, we did eventually get a flight out um, via Jakarta, I believe, on Lion Air, um, obviously about a year before their tragic accident um, out of Jakarta. So it was quite the adventure and I was so, so happy to see home again when I got there and I've never felt like that in my life. So actually it was quite, quite an um, astonishing feeling. Would you go back there? Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, snorkeling is fantastic out there. It's oh. a really calm, wild um, little island and fantastic food. Very, very sort of I mean, not untouched as compared to Bali, but um, definitely the sort of more chilled, slightly more blissed outside to, you know, the, the party vibe on Bali. So, yeah, I would absolutely go back. But as I've already said, I would go anywhere at the moment. So, yes, Lombok is somewhere on the list. A lockdown in Lombok, which you clearly kind of experienced. <laughs> I did, um, three, actually. Three years before the rest of us. Um, sounds sounds fairly blissful. Gosh, you were, yeah. I, was, I was way ahead of the curve, way ahead of the curve. <laughs> but I must say, um, everybody thinks being locked on a desert island, you know, stranded on a desert island would be the best adventure ever. And why on earth would you never want to do it? But actually not knowing that horrible limbo of not knowing yeah. quite 
when you're going to be at home and what's going to happen to you. It's excruciating. So, I mean, again, this is such first world problems, but I had to have, you know, sort of a couple of massages a day just to sort of um, wipe wipe the the, the day away, all the day stresses, Um, obviously eating fantastic food on the beach. But when you don't know when you're going to be able to get on that flight, it's quite a stressful experience, even though it Mm. was in paradise, veritable paradise. Well, talking of paradise, next week our thoughts are turning to Easter and all its uh, travel associations, the passion of uh, Semana Santa, Holy Week in Andalusia, Easter Island, which is my personal South Pacific paradise, maybe even the town of Easter in the Texas panhandle. But for now, Kathy, you've been brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on You Should Have Been well, thank There. Thank you for having me. Hope you will come back yeah. soon. Um, send us your delay stories. Send us your thoughts about... Um, your own personal roadmap. Uh, the best way to get in touch is to go to Twitter and find us at You Should Have BT. Um, you can uh, send us messages. You can tell us about your delays. You can do, frankly, anything you want to. Uh, or you could uh, actually send us a recorded story of up to a minute at uh, anchor.fm. So that is uh, anchor.fm slash you should have been there but uh, i add my thanks uh, to simon's kathy very nice to um, talk to you and hear from you so until our next podcast from me mick webb and me simon gorda goodbye goodbye and from me kathy adams goodbye <laughs> <laughs>